you get the comfortable seats if you come up quick. If you, if you know who you are, if you don't know who you are, I will invite you. But we really appreciate you coming. This is a, a, a tricky topic and often quite awkward for people. So the fact that... Uh, Mr. Bernard... Is there another buddy? You guys sit here. No, he can sit over here. Do you want to start? Well, we we were um, having Bible study, our pop talk at <coughs> McDonald's one day, and um, well, actually, it really started the week a week before that, but just felt the need to talk about some of this stuff um, and actually see where we were, you know, try to get the pulse of where we are, because we always talk about scripture and all this other stuff, but not really, never really get opportunity in a church setting to really talk about where we are naturally. And um, I've promised to kind of talk less this uh, session as I've been directed, but uh, just to tell you... (laughs) But just to tell you, um, some of the things that we were hearing were really, uh, really important. And, um, and so that's why I came to John and said, can we actually talk about this? And he said, well, it's definitely not a youth service, but in a few weeks we'll work it in. And so that's where we are today. Do you want me to bring um, to the floor the first question? All right. I'm just going to bring to the floor the first question, and then we'll ask to hear from the youth and then the adults. And then if permitted, maybe I can we'll wait on that. Okay. So the first question is, does loneliness affect you or someone close to you and how? Does loneliness affect you or someone close to you and how? Um, well, It does affect me. Um, I feel like um, I'm actually surrounded by a bunch of people, but I'll still feel alone, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't affect me nearly as much now as it used to, but it's definitely something that I've um, experienced in spurts. Like I'd go sometimes where I'm fine and then other times when I'm not. Like Suzanne said, you can be surrounded by a whole lot of people and not really have um, anybody to connect with or anybody who is necessarily going in the same direction as you. And that is what my experience has been with loneliness. I can definitely see it in my friends at school that no matter how many friends that they might have or how many people like them, that like... They just feel like they're alone and they're empty. Um, I've got six brothers and four sisters in Prince Edward Island, and uh, I miss them, but um, I'm not lonely. Um, But I, you know, I, I help out as I am second, and I see... 
people who struggle with loneliness and identity there? Um, I think I was the queen of loneliness years ago. Um, I also thought, as you said, um, there's so many people, and I, I always used to say, this is a, a, a people-infested world, and I'm, a, and I'm lonely. Like, how can that be? Um, and I think we choose to be alone because um, it's hard to be with people if you're in a certain space, but I guess we might get to that later. But, um, yeah, I'm not lonely anymore. I choose to be alone, but I'm not lonely anymore. Um, loneliness affects me. Um, it's it feels like you don't have anyone to lean on sometimes, so it's kind of scary. The next uh, question is about depression. Do we know what it looks like, and can we somehow um, can it sometime feel like anxiety? Or is it, how does it affect us and people around us? Do we feel like people know the difference? I think I got some of that. Um, depression is really scary, yeah. And uh, it can affect a lot of people. Um, what was the other one? How do you, how, I mean, how do you experience it? Oh, What's it like for you? I experience it through uh, through pretty much almost anything that goes on in my life. So can you can you say what it's like to feel that way? Uh, yeah, it's like um, it's like being lonely, pretty much. Isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. a big question. Um, depression for me was um, I guess I can't even think of the words. It's it's like you're you're locked inside this hole and you can't get out. Um, you're filled with um, sadness and you you have no energy. You you try and work and you try and do what you need to do, but you're just lacking of any hope and desire to uh, to do anything. Um, and you asked about anxiety, the difference. Um, I don't know that. I don't know. Because some we were talking before, and some of the uh, sometimes we were talking about how sometimes we can um, think that it's depression, but get it mixed up and it's just anxiety. Mm-hmm. I guess when when I was going through depression, I went through every medication possible, every combination, and none of them worked. And uh, I figured out I wasn't depressed. I just needed uh, Jesus in my life, which was really cool. Uh, I have to be a little bit vulnerable here. Um, I spent uh, probably about 25 years in uh, in addiction. So you know, I had uh, times of depression. Um, you know, you're you're high and you're low, 
And I also spent a lot of years, uh, I think, in a job that I didn't really enjoy and work in shift work. So I think lots of times shift work can cause depression. Um, and depression for me was I, I would just wallow in a pity party and I would not want to be around anybody. And, uh, and I was really good at it. Um, and I think you can almost get to the point where you're depressed, but you, I can't say it. It feels good in a way to just wallow in that and to just stay isolated. And uh, this might be a little more of a testimony than answering the question, but, um, you know, struggling with addiction, I finally got to the place where, like, I came back to the Lord when John offered us Tish and I marriage counseling and started to get to know him quite a bit, but I was still in addiction. Um, and so I knew him in my head, but I didn't know him in here. And when I got to the point where I, uh, you know, I can remember actually, I was in church on Sunday and I, and I was, I, I just said to the Lord, I'm, after church, I'm just going to go and get high. So I don't know what the sense of this is. So then I realized I, I need help. I, I you know, and so in other words, I stopped trying to do it by myself and and acknowledge that I need help and that he could help. And once I did that, I didn't come out of addiction right away, but things started to change. And uh, things started to change on the inside. And um, now I very rarely get depression, and it's funny because the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, I was having a little bit of, I don't know if it was depression or anxiety, whatever you want to call it, but <laughs> what happens is I instantly isolate and uh, so what I was doing was I was whining to my wife about some other people, and I am second who who isolate too when they get depressed. And I said, why do they do that? Why as soon as, you know, and she looked at me, and it was her opening, right? And he said, why do you do that? And so I think when you're in depression, probably you, don't, you might not even realize that you're you're like that. Yeah. Probably didn't answer Thank you. No, that's, it's, there's no right or wrong answers. It's just sharing experience. So, um, what I think it's like, it's like um, it has a say in what you think or what you do or how you act or how you perceive things. And it's like if you have depression, then it always like it's cu- becomes a part of you and it influences the way you see the world. Definitely, yeah. What does it look like? And uh, I mean, are you talking about yourself as well? Not so much me, but okay. sometimes. Uh, I just like loneliness and fear and feeling like you have a hole in you and you can't like fill it. And how old are you? I'm 14. Do you hear that? And you, a lot of your friends or people at school are probably saying the same thing? So what do they do? Whatever they can to to feel better, mm-hmm. no matter how short a time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Can I just say something? It's like a use the mic because they can hear you. It's almost like a um, like like a fake ID. We had talked about this when we were at McDonald's, and it's like 
openly people won't talk about it, but then behind closed doors with different ones that they trust they come to. So then Regan will have these friends who will say something or say how they feel or she can see what's going on, and at that time she has that opportunity to speak into those different situations. Um, I've never personally been depressed, but I've um, experienced, I've had experiences with people who have, and it's almost like like a blood-sucking bug that attaches to them, and no matter how hard they try, they're they're in they're not able to to like take it off of them and by themselves and so they they get to a state where it's almost like they they believe that this is the way that life is supposed to be and they cope with it and it becomes so ingrained in them that they don't see any other way out and it and they go through the spurs and it's like they have the happy moments or they have um glimpses of happiness or glimpses of good times but there's no real sense of joy because when they go back home or whatever triggers those emotions towards depression they're right it starts right back over and it's it's a little different from you know having good days and bad days it's like they have so many bad days that the good days are kind of like um winning the lottery because it's like oh yeah it could possibly happen but the chances of it happening for them or um, in their lives is very, very slim. Um, what depression feels like? It feels like you're empty, like you could be standing in a room full of everyone and nobody knows your name or anything and you don't, you don't know anyone and nobody talks to you and you feel alone. Um, what it looks like is kind of hard because there's people that you can like you can see they're depressed and then there's people walking around with a big smile on their face Mm -hmm. and they don't look depressed they don't sound depressed um there could be people walking around alone and then there could be people walking around big groups laughing and joking and they could actually be dying inside because depression's taking over but you wouldn't be able to tell it has different looks on everyone so I don't want to ask how many people here because I would guarantee there's probably a third here at least who could be sitting up here. This is huge. The, the, between, and, and so doing this is to actually kind of in a sense just be open. It's not about shame. It's just about the reality of, you know, it's really irritating when people just say, well, turn to Jesus and everything will be better. And you look at them and say, well, it didn't seem to work for you. We, we can give out platitudes so easily because it is true, turn to Jesus and things will change. But there's a lot of ways of how you do that and there's a lot of ways of working that out. So how do you understand, I mean, why are people depressed just because they're lonely inside? This is unscripted, so, you know, we just... Um, it's, it's not just loneliness. I can't really describe how people get depressed. Um... I know growing up, I was never actually like alone. I had my family. I was surrounded by people that loved me. And it just, it happened. I felt empty inside one day and it just, it took over. I don't actually, I can't describe how it just happens. And then with God, does that help? Or is that just like um, irritating because it's like just a tease? Well, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I was yes. like surrounded by God all the time. And I didn't, I didn't feel like it helped yeah. at all, actually. Like okay. People said yes. Christ there for you. I don't feel him there for me, so. Thank you. 
I think it's, I'm not saying it's in every case, but in some cases it stems from a lack of having a sense of purpose. And it's more than just being alone. It's more than being sad. It's where am I going? Why am I here? What what am I meant to do? What am I meant to be doing? Am I even um, useful in this world? Like, will the world miss me if I'm gone? Mm-hmm. And so... I've seen um, ex- I've seen situations where those were the questions, and because they didn't have answers to those things, they didn't know what their purpose was. They didn't know if the world would miss them or notice that they, you know, completely disappeared. And because they felt like the answer was no to so many of those questions, they fall into this. It starts with the sadness, and it and it. it it kind of snowballs from there into the depression because they don't have answers to questions that they don't realize that most people don't have answers to. But to them, it's it's an isolation. They only feel like, oh, this is just me. I'm the only person that has these issues. I'm the only person that struggles with these things. And so as a result, they isolate themselves and they go into mm-hmm. that depression. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Um, I think it's also, it also could stem from like self-abuse and in a way stubbornness that you could only focus on the negative things in life that, and it just change, it just changes your outlook completely. And it's just hard to turn from that. I think John should be able to describe what it's like. Um, I can remember going to see John a couple of times when he was in his depression, and it was yeah it was it was devastating to see him actually he was kind of like just dead, like I can remember because before like and him helping me come to the Lord or back to the Lord, um he would be excited if there was a you know some growth or a change in people, and I can remember talking to him about oh there was some some growth that was in me and it was like he didn't he didn't care it was he was just dead but i think depression for me uh stems from identity um my identity was in sports when i grew up and of course if if things are going good you're up and if things aren't going good you're down if your identity's there and also i had uh low self-esteem so um, you think you don't have anything to offer. And uh, when your identity changes, when it's in the Lord, <laughs> in, he changes you on, for me anyway, he changed me on the inside, and he's shown me and is showing me that I do have stuff to offer. And um, that when my identity's in him... Um, I am loved. So, yeah. I think um, depression can be stemmed from all kinds of things. It can be a chemical imbalance. It can be um, a situation in your life, the way where you're living, who you're living with. Um, It could be an event that can trigger. Um, It could be a death. It could be could be anything could trigger it, and it also it's your personality. It's it's who you are inside. Um, if you're susceptible to 
to not being able to get over something or keeping in anger. Like if you are angry and you don't have a voice and you don't speak, if you do not share how you're feeling, um, that can just fester inside and you end up not loving yourself. You end up thinking you're not important, you're not good enough, you don't have anything to say, nobody wants to hear, and then you go into that pity party and you just wallow there and then you numb out and you... So there's all kinds of ways of coping with it, but I really agree with Wayne about the... It becomes familiar, and that's where you live, and that's okay there. But you know it's not, but it's, it is okay. What was the question again? <laughs> what was the question, Leslie? Yeah. The question was about, you know... What can you say more about depression or its reasons, the causes, what it, uh, why you think it might be uh, there in the first place? Um, as much as you can. My experience for uh, being for depression is uh, loneliness was one depression for me. Uh, my family got torn apart. Then I had no one to lean on. Oh, sorry, uh, and then I started to get angry on certain people that really I shouldn't have gotten angry on, and it just got more and more, and I couldn't express my feelings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm usually a soft, kind person, but I can't bring that out anymore because I feel like no one wants to see that. But yeah, and it's just it gets scary sometimes, and you don't know what to do. Okay. Thank you. Do you have something to add? I will wrap it up in a minute. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I just think that um, <clears throat> these are just issues that that are re- very real. And when you look at um, the youth that are up here, this is our next generation. And um, we have to begin to be real with our next generation and not just point them to the cross, which ultimately it has to tie back to Jesus, but also let them know that this is a safe place, which I tell you guys all the time, this is a safe place. You can speak how you feel and talk about how you feel, and you are loved. And um need to be able to have that platform to be able to have topics like that and be able to talk about some of those things. And then ultimately say, okay, that's great. Now where do we go from here? Cool. Thank you very much, you guys. Um, you can go back to your seats and we'll uh, pray for the... I'll just wrap it up. Can you put the lectern back? Help me put it. No, just the lectern. That's, I just want to use... I just want to put, use this as a visual aid, that's why. So the reason I'm not um, bringing the microphone out into the congregation is that we could get stuck here for a, for a long time. And, um, and that's, that's cool, but I, I wanted to sort of lead us into the encouraging side. It's just that we could have, you know, the twin of depression is anger. We could just as well have had a panel up here dealing with anger, but anger is more visible or it's, it, it burns inside. Ang- anger is depression. Depression is anger turned inward. Thank you. Um, and all these things at the end of the day 
Um, we come from so many different places. I wasn't going to, I, I'm not going to talk a lot about myself because you've heard it a thousand times. But the reason maybe t- is just to say I know what this is like. Because mine took me into nearly suicide. And you feel angry and isolated. And I was angry with God. Cause, and I'm totally responsible for my, my stuff. But when you're living, there's a fine line. And you go, well, it's not fair. And you, beca- you regress into childishness that says it's not fair. Why do I do this and this happens and you do this and it doesn't happen? You get into, because we have these, in all of us, there are these very undeveloped emotions. And they come out under pressure. They come out under their, their deep brokenness. If you want to get to the root of depression, you have to go to childhood. You've got to go to places. There, there are some that are, are chemically, I'm sure. But I think you've got to go back to... The one I've learned is just tell me about your father. Because right underneath, the identity comes from your father on earth. And when that father isn't present and when that father is dysfunctional, where that, and every father is imperfect, but where that father isn't there to say, you are my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased, something dies. I spent 45 years trying to get my father to say that. I never heard him. And so there's an element of there's a longing in you and uh, it's in everybody, men and women. And if you don't hear those words and if you don't hear that you are loved and that you're worthwhile and that you have value, you will look for it. And if you can't find it, very often, you know, in teenage years, the only way they do it is through sexual experience. That's the big drug. And then it's the numbing out with other drugs or alcohol. And everybody struts their stuff and it's cool. And as you say, behind the scenes, it's not cool at all. And then you get into cycles where you forgot you're depressed, now you're just addicted. And so you manage that. And God comes into the, the picture to help us right there. He doesn't judge us, he's not angry. He just looks at you like a father who adores you and says, what happened? And if you want to deal with depression and you want to deal with these things, you have to allow we have to learn how to receive what God has given. And that's where the counseling process comes in. How do I receive the truth of these words? So over about four years, God said, you work on your house, I'll work on you. And as I started coming out of isolation, I started reading, I started listening to things. He began to thaw me out. I can't put a finger on what it was. But as Wayne said, it was when I said... I'm done. I mean, I've been eight years of anger and frustration and for other people it's different. But I think it's this, there is a point where we have to give him permission because as was said, you know, depression can be your friend. I used to do abuse workshops and we'd come to the point of saying, how, much, how long do you want to be abused? How long do you want to define yourself? I mean, we live in such a crippled world right now that we say things like, um, I am a survivor of addiction. I'm a survivor of abuse. I'm a survivor of this. I'm a su- and if, you don't, if you're not a survivor of something, there's something wrong with you. And your identity is being, an, in being a survivor. And you go, why would you want to spend your whole life identified like that? 
But for many, it's become their identity. I mean, if I t- so the, in the abuse groups, they would get really angry, believe it or not. What do you mean? So how long do you want to be a victim? And then what do you think normal is like? Normal is a challenge. You have ups and downs. You, normal is all over the place. But how long do you want to be a victim? And the issue was, if I start not being a victim, then I'm going to have to be responsible. And if I stop blaming the world for my life, then I'm going to have to be responsible. And sometime in our lives, we actually have to hear that and say, yep, that's what you have to do. Somewhere along the line, you have to say, I'm sick of this. Help me. I do believe that many of us give platitudes out to people with emotional illness, and I call depression that. Um, you know, when I go to Ray Jean, who's, who's had the stroke, I don't walk into the thing and say, you idiot, what are you doing there? Get up and walk, make a choice. But if somebody's struggling with emotional illness, that's what we often do. We give them this, these, these words that we have no idea what they mean. All we know is that I'm feeling uncomfortable with you like this. So you need to deal with it so I can feel better. Now, the best thing you can do for people who are struggling with depression is actually just be a friend. Don't expect, it's like going to Rajon. I'm just using it because it's current. You go to somebody in intensive care and I say, you know, it's so, it, was, it was so rude. He didn't greet me, he didn't smile, he just lay there. And you go, John, he's just had a stroke. Well, he showed no appreciation for my taking the time to go. And you go, are you nuts? He's just had a stroke. You know what I'm trying to say. If somebody's emotionally crippled, as Wayne (laughs) found out when he came to visit me, I'm telling him to F off. I could not care. But a friend keeps coming back because they don't take it personally. They go, you really are bad. And you just keep on, take somebody out for coffee. Just say, you know, I'm going to hang in with you. I love you. I'm not giving up on you. I believe in you more than you do. Or listen and don't answer. Don't try and fix. Don't make suggestions. Just be happy. God loves you. Listen. Listen and be okay with not knowing the answer. This I know that God is faithful, but I might say that to myself or I might say I still believe. There's no one answer. Uh, Jesus is the answer. The challenge is how does Jesus convince somebody that he is trustworthy and, and he has their hand and he has their life? And probably the way that Jesus will work is to actually work through you, work through other people who start looking at somebody and say, I value you. Does it make sense? We're not going to wrap this up neatly. But I, I do want to encourage you with something. And, I, and I, Yesterday afternoon, I just thought of this. So here we are. Here's a little visual aid for you. It's out of my workshop. Whoa, this is heavy. alcohol so there's an incident in Acts where Paul I mean just 
David was probably struggled with mel- certainly struggled with melancholy and depressed. If you read the Psalms, he was going, "Why are you downcast? Oh, hallelujah, downcast." He was a musician, and he was probably an artist and a fighter. He was the. Uh, there are quite a lot of people in the scriptures that obviously struggled, which is encouraging because we all struggle and therefore you'll find yourself in those pages. If you, if you do struggle with depression, read the Psalms. Just skim through them. You'll find something. So when I read The Chords of Death Entangled Me, I said, yep, that's me. I didn't read it very much because I'd given up on it. But God loves us enough to never let us go. But for a long time it feels like he has. So Paul, who was Saul and killed people and ended up, you know, he had to grapple with his demons. He had to grapple with what he had done in his life. And uh, he came to this, this place of just serving God. And, and um, one day he was, this is in Acts chapter 14, he was in a place called Lystra. And there sat a man who was lame and he had been that way from birth and had never walked. And he listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed, and he called out, Stand up on your feet. And that, uh, at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. This is a man who was lame from his birth, and he jumps up and begin to walk, begins to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they started sort of worshipping him. The gods have come alive. And I, this is the reason I'm telling you this story. And they, they brought things for them to, be sacri- to sacrifice to them, to Paul and Barnabas. When the apostle Paul, Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. Now this was out of an incredible miracle. And they wanted to worship them and he said, We are just human like you. And I felt... It was a word of encouragement to you and to me. What's, these are just random containers. It's got paint thinner, turtle wax, hand cleaner, muriatic acid, which is very dangerous. This stuff will burn you. It will do damage. Um, you could say the glory of God is like this, actually. It will kill you. It's too powerful. But that's another sermon. And this is some antiseptic alcohol. Paul says we are only human. We are containers in which lives good and bad. And we're in a process of having that inside changed. One of the problems with depression is that you start saying, I don't qualify for anything. If you knew what is inside me, and I don't even know how to deal with it, when you start saying, and you can say this, Jesus, thank you that you went, as a total act of faith, thank you that you died on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive me for my sin as I know it, and I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Something will change. You see, all of these things, what they have in common is that they're, they're plastic containers, they're just human. We are just plastic containers. What we are on the outside is just a container. Depression lies to us about who we are and what we contain. And one of the ways you can begin to, is is to start saying, when Jesus, when God begins to breathe into you, you have to just start saying, I am his son. I used to sing songs and I used to do this again and again. 
God the Father loves me. He really likes me. I mean, when I walk in the room, his face lights up. And I've told him to F off, and I've told him I never want to talk to him again, and he just smiles at me and says, when you're finished, we can talk. He's not shocked. He's not disillusioned. He's not disappointed. He's sad, but he's never left. Because he says, I believe in you more than you believe in me. And while Paul was saying, we're only human because of the wonderful thing that God has done through us, God also says, you're only human, and all these terrible things you feel are not the end of the story either. You contain the love of God. You contain the love of God. You will never ever be able to change yourself from the outside. The identity issue is always from the inside. So you start speaking over yourself, blessing. You start saying, John, you have purpose. You are not an accident. I do share with you compassion over things that have gone wrong in your life. But I love you and there's a future. Don't identify yourself by the past. Let me take you into a future. And you start wherever you are. And it might be 